This is LEC Online Church in Perry, Ohio. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. We're beginning a new series in the book of Exodus that will take us through Easter. And we're going to be looking at this book redemptively and what it has to say to us uh, throughout the next six weeks. Pastor Dustin's going to be helping me with this series over the next several weeks. A lot of great things in the book of Exodus that God wants to teach us. Today, we're going to talk about what it means to be called out. The word Exodus in the Hebrew actually means called out. And it's the theme of the book from beginning to end, how God called out his people. Today, we're going to talk about one man that God called out. Let's bow our heads to pray. Father, I thank you for what you're about to do. Your word is strong and powerful in our hearts today. And would you accomplish your will in each and every person that's listening, those that are watching online, those who will listen to a podcast in the weeks and days ahead. Those that are sitting here in the room today, God, would you speak by your word powerfully into all of our hearts and our lives. And Father, we are careful that your name should receive all praise and glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen and amen. Well, the book of Exodus is the second book in the Bible. It has uh, a tremendous story that really is about God bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt. But in order for you to understand how significant that was, you really need to understand and know a man in the book of Genesis by the name of Joseph. We've preached about him a good bit. Joseph was one of the 12 sons of Jacob, and uh, his brothers sold him to some traders who took him to Egypt and sold him as a slave into the house of a man who worked for Pharaoh. Now, Pharaoh would have been like the king or the president of Egypt. And so Potiphar was a man politically connected to the most powerful man in the world at the time. And Joseph was a slave in his house. And so it was that while Joseph was there, he worked in the house of, of uh, Potiphar. And then he was accused by Potiphar's wife, unrightly or unfairly, (coughs) was accused of a sexual assault, which he did not do. We'll say more about that later. And so Potiphar threw him into jail. While he was there in jail, he met two men who had dreams. And with the power of God at work in Joseph's life, he translated those dreams. One of those men was returned to the court of Pharaoh where he worked. And when Pharaoh had two strange dreams, he remembered that he had met Joseph in that prison. And he told Pharaoh, there is a man in your prison in whom the power of the Most High God dwells. Joseph is brought before Pharaoh. He interprets the dream and tells Pharaoh, God is predicting the future and telling you what is about to happen. Here's what you need to do. And Pharaoh, trusting Joseph, 
put him over the storing of grain during the time of famine. Now the famine that the Bible describes in Genesis was a global famine. All the people of the earth were affected, including Joseph's family that was back in Canaan. Ironically, they had to find grain. They came to Egypt not knowing that Joseph was there. And they come before their own brother begging for food. And he takes care of his brothers and there's a, there's a long narrative there. But the point I want you to understand is that eventually Joseph is revealed to his father and his brothers that he is still alive. And he invites his whole family to come and live with him in Egypt. Now as the book of Genesis closes, there are 70 people in his family, his 12 brothers, their wives and children, 70 people that move into the land of Egypt. And as their family begins to grow and, and expand over the years, they're going to be in Egypt for 430 years. And during that time, the, the population of the Hebrew people is exploding. So much so that when another Pharaoh who did not know Joseph, another Pharaoh came into power, he becomes immediately concerned about how many Hebrews live in Egypt. And he in fact says, if we don't get on top of this, one of these days we're going to be the slaves and they're going to be in charge. So he did exactly what the Chinese government did a number of years ago. He restricted childbirth. And he said, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to let you have any more male babies. You can have female babies, but you can't have male babies. And the way that we will do that is we will have the midwives to kill the male babies when they're born. But as Brenda read, the midwives feared God more then they feared the king, and so those babies continue to be born. And Pharaoh now realizes it's out of control. And so then he says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to murder every male baby. We're going to throw them into the Nile River. Well, about this time, there is a baby born to a woman by the name of Jochebed. Her baby's name was Moses. And she, as you know the story about Moses, if you do know the story of Moses, she prepared a little basket and she put that baby in that basket and put that basket in the Nile River where Pharaoh's daughter would later find that baby and save him from the death that came to so many Hebrew boys during that time. And this is the story of the book of Exodus. The life of Moses... And what God did in his life. Now, later on, in, in later chapters, a couple of chapters later, chapter 3 and 4, God is going to speak to Moses out of a bush. And he's going to tell Moses, I have heard the cry of my people. I know their life is hard as slaves in Egypt. I know they're being oppressed. And I am sending you to Pharaoh to tell him to let my people go free. Now the third chapter of the book of Exodus is the story of Moses' reluctance. He keeps, he keeps telling God, I'm not your guy. I'm not the person that's going to do that. And yet eventually God convinces Moses that he 
in fact, will be the one. And he steps into that role, that, that calling that God has given him to lead. The book not only contains the story of the narrative of the deliverance of the Hebrew nation, but it also contains the laws and statutes and commandments that God gave the people when they left Egypt as they were forming this new nation God gave them the laws and the commandments that they were to live by. In the book of Exodus, you will find the infamous Ten Commandments. And in those commandments and then the statutes that go with them were the laws that governed this new community. The book of Exodus was written by Moses. It's one of five books, the first five books in the Bible that are historically known as the Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers. Those five books of the Bible are the ones known as the Pentateuch and they are the beginning of the nation of Israel as we know them in Scripture. When Pastor Dustin and I got together a number of months ago and started talking about this series, we began to identify what we thought were the major themes, the major thoughts that we needed to bring that God was leading us to as we read the book of Exodus. We're going to talk about purpose and desert experiences, provisions, obedience, redemption, and freedom. On Easter Sunday, we'll be talking about freedom. Now last week, if you were here or you listened to the message online, you know that we talked about the fact that God has called each of us to be light in the world. We are to be lights in a darkened world. We are to be God's example to people in this world of what it means to be the people of God. And God has called all of us to that. In the same way that he called Moses to be the deliverer, to be the representative of God to Pharaoh, God has called you in the same way to bring the message of hope to lost people in this community. People in your family, people that you know, people that you work with. God has called you to be the light in a dark world, in the same way that God called Moses to be that. But here's the question that keeps dominating my thoughts. How can we be that light? How can we be that example that God wants us to be when we find ourselves living in circumstances that we did not choose? How do we, how do we find purpose and destiny? How do we live the lives we're supposed to live when we live in circumstances that restrict us and limit us? And I think the book of Exodus speaks to that. And I want to do that with you this morning in two statements. Here's the first one. It's important to understand when you're seeking purpose in your life that not everything that you encounter is under your control. Not everything that you're facing today is under your control. Sometimes you and I live in experiences and places where we do not have control, but somebody else has exerted control over us. When I read the story of Moses, I realize that there were a number of external factors over which he had no control. Moses had no control over the time in which he was born. You weren't, you weren't in control of when you were born. That was somebody else's decision. You were born in this season. Maybe you think, well, I wish I'd have been born at a different time. I was talking with a friend of mine one time who has always battled her weight. 
She's always struggled with her weight. She's been on more diets than there have been diets recorded. She's she struggled her whole life. And she told me one time, she said, Bill, I think I figured it out. I was a woman born out of season. I said, what does that mean? She said, you look through the books at the women that lived in the 1500s. The larger they were, the more they were revered. She said, I would have been a goddess if I'd been born in the 1500s. You have no control over when you are born. The population, the growth of the Hebrew nation was creating a political climate that was very adverse to Moses and his generation. The Pharaoh at the time, the ruler of the land, was making decisions that Moses had no control over. Pharaoh was very insecure and his decisions were going to affect Moses and his family, but he had no control over it. The environment in Egypt was hostile to Hebrew people. There was racism, if you please, in the time. Something over which Moses had no control. It leads me to remind everybody in this room that we live in a time and a world where there's a great deal of our life over which we have no control. Even though we think we have control, we really don't have control. It's like the man who told me one time, he said, I'm the boss at my house because my wife told me I could be. Some things in life that we don't have control over. As I said, we don't have control over when we're born. You don't get to choose who your parents are. God chose your parents. Those are the parents that you have. You don't get to control what people think about you. You don't get, get to control the weather. You don't get to control the passing of time. You don't get to control the time that you die. And you don't get to control how people react to what you say or what you do. So the question is, what do I do with my life when I find myself in a circumstance that was created for me by somebody else? Maybe you grew up with an abusive parent. Some of you grew up in hostile homes with unloving, par <clears throat> unloving parents. Maybe you were one of those whose parents died when you were very young. And you spent most of your young life without your parents in your life. And you spent all your life without them. Maybe a drunk driver killed your child. And you were robbed of that experience because of somebody else's choice. Maybe you've lived in a time of poverty because of decisions that somebody else made that caused you to have, not have the material goods that you need. Maybe you live with a genetic disease for which no cure has been found and for which you have not been healed to this point. Here's the question. How much control do you need to be able to feel that God can take care of you? How much control do you need over your own life to be able to believe that God is the one who is able to take care of you? Psalms 37, 25, the psalmist said, I was young and now I am old and I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. If you've been forced to live in circumstances 
that you did not choose. Can I just remind you this morning that you have never been forsaken and you have never been without a divine purpose in your life. Moses was born in a difficult time. But God's purposes, get this, God's purposes were greater than the circumstances in which Moses was born into. You say, well, I, I don't understand why I have to live in the, the environment or grow up in the house that I grew up in or, or live with the pain and the difficulty of my life. But I remind you that the purposes of God are greater than the circumstances that you live in. Joseph was a slave in Potiphar's house. But the Bible says that the Lord was with Joseph. Even in that terrible environment, the Lord was with Joseph and the Lord is with you. What if we lived our life that way? What if you and I would live our life as we leave here today? What if we lived every day this week with the conviction that no matter what we face or what we go through, that in fact the Lord is with us? us and he never leaves us he never forsakes us and he has a divine purpose and plan for each of our lives here's the second statement sometimes you have to make a strategic decision Now, my good friend Heather Walter is always teasing me about the use of that word, strategic. In fact, I think I remember her saying a couple of years ago, if pastor doesn't use the word strategic in the paragraph that he's telling you, what he's telling you is not important. But the point I want you to understand is that sometimes you and I have to make a strategic decision about our lives when we are confronted with the situations that are difficult and hard, we have to decide who is going to determine the future of our life. Pharaoh had said that he was going to kill every male baby. Moses' mother, Jochebed, said, he's not going to kill my baby. She made a strategic decision to put her baby into a basket and float that basket on the Nile River because she was not content to allow Pharaoh to determine the destiny of her child. What she did was she trusted God for the future. She trusted that in the worst situations of life, that God still has a plan. So listen to me. I wish for every one of you who lived in a difficult growing up environment, I wish it had been different. I wish you could have grown up in a home like mine where my mother told me every day that she loved me. My mother and dad prayed over me every morning, every night before I went to bed. 
I wish you could have grown up in a house where Jesus was exalted. I was telling someone, Elder Rankin, this morning that I grew up every Saturday morning. My mother would put a stack of LPs on her record player and she played gospel music from the time we got up until we went to bed on Saturdays. That's why I know all those great songs, all those old songs, because they've been embedded in my brain from the time I was born. I wish you had had that, but you didn't have that. Your father cursed at you every chance he got. Your mother did not love you the way a mother should love a child. Maybe you were abandoned. Maybe you, your parents forsook you and you were adopted or fostered or are in some way abandoned and you didn't have that kind of environment. What do you do? I wish, I wish that I could promise you that your life could have been better than it was, but you find yourself this morning in an environment living in a circumstance that you, in fact, did not choose. Amen. Jacobed lived in an environment where she had to make some choices. And she made a choice <coughs> that she would, in fact, trust in the power of God to determine her future. You say, I can't be what you are because I didn't have what you had. No, I'm not where I am because of where I came from. I am where I am because God has never forsaken me. He has never let me go. And you have to make a decision that you are going to trust God with your future. Some of you sitting here this morning, some of you watching me online, God has been nudging you and dealing with you about the future and the things that God wants to do in your life. Maybe you're supposed to start a Bible study. Maybe you're supposed to be involved in a ministry. Maybe you're supposed to step forward and be involved in some area. Maybe somebody's getting the call to preach. Maybe somebody's getting the call to be a missionary, but you're afraid because you think that you're not qualified. But if God is calling you, if God is speaking to you, He is determining the future of your life and He wants you to trust in Him. <clears throat> you say, Pastor, I, I wish I had that kind of faith. I want you to see this woman with me this morning. Jacobed took that baby whose life was being threatened by a king whose insecurity was leading him to kill every baby, every male baby. And she put that little basket together. Can you imagine the prayers that were prayed over that little basket? Can you imagine the moments of deep, sacred devotion when Jacobed was preparing this saying, God, I'm trusting you. I'm putting my trust in you. I'm trusting you to protect this child, to protect him from Pharaoh. And she put that baby in that basket and she put that basket out there floating in the Nile. Why did she do that? Because they were going to be coming to her house looking for her baby. And they would not find that baby because he's down there at the river. His sister's down there watching over him. And he's floating in that water. Let me tell you something. God knew where that baby was. You hear what I'm telling you this morning? God knew 
where that baby was. And God knows where you are today. He knows the circumstances you grew up in. He knows the environment. He knows the fear. He knows the struggles that you have. And God knows exactly where you are. That baby's floating on the Nile River. And Pharaoh's daughter comes to bathe herself in the Nile River. Do you think God knew that's where that woman bathed? Do you think, don't you think for a moment that God did not know that woman was going to be there? That basket is floating in a place where she can see that basket. Why? Because God's plans and God's purposes are bigger and greater than the circumstances that you face. God's purposes for your life are bigger and greater than the challenges that you face. Pharaoh's daughter finds that baby, takes that baby home, preserves that baby's life. He becomes the person that God wanted him to be because Jochebed trusted God for the future. You know, if you and I get in our car tonight and we are driving from Madison to Mentor, we can't see all the way to Mentor. All we can see is just the distance out there where our headlights are casting that light. But we know that there is a road that takes us to Mentor. And if we're on that road and we keep going and we trust that road, we will eventually get to our destination. Some of you this morning just need to be reminded that you may not can see five years ahead. You may not be able to see the next 20 years. But if you put your trust in God, God already sees the five years. God already sees the 20 years. He knows where you're going and He wants only for you to trust in Him because His plans for your life are bigger than you could possibly imagine. So you have to decide. You have to make a strategic decision. You can decide to allow life to define you. You can lament what happened to you in your past at the hands of somebody else. Or you can choose to put your trust in the Lord. And you can believe God for the future that He has. That's what Joshua did in 24 and 15 when he said, If you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Whether you prefer the gods of your ancestors serving beyond the Euphrates, or if it's the gods of the Amorites in whose lands you now live. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. You make a choice, a strategic decision. Later in his life, Moses had to make another decision. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 that Moses decided, he determined that he would rather suffer the injustices of his own family, his own household, than to live in Pharaoh's court. It was better to suffer for the cause of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt for he was looking forward to a greater reward. Sometimes you have to make a strategic decision to say, I am going to trust in the Lord. A number of months ago, an individual sat in this room, well, not in this room, it was in the other building, 
and made a strategic decision that they were going to trust God with their finances. They felt as if God was leading them to do something with their finances and they decided to trust the Lord despite what it looked like. Despite what it felt like. Despite what the reality of their financial resources were. They were obedient to God and in doing so they trusted the Lord for the future. Several months passed by and one day that individual said they wanted to speak with me. I said, okay. And we went to a private place where they began to unpack for me how the blessings of God had become to fall in their own life. How God had given them a better job. How God had provided better uh, benefits. How God had done this and that and going through all of those circumstances. And with tears said, so glad I trusted in the Lord. You understand this morning that what God wants from you more than anything is for you to trust Him. He just wants you to trust Him. You know, sometimes I read that story in the book of Matthew chapter 14 where, where Jesus says to the disciples, you've got all these group of people here and we've got to feed them. You feed them. And they say, we don't, we don't know how to feed them. We, we don't know. If we, if we had all this money, we still couldn't feed them. And the next verse says, the Lord asked this question to test them. Because he already knew what he was going to do. You know, the Lord already knew he was going to break those loaves and fishes. He already knew <clears throat> that he was going to feed those people. But he asked the disciples because he wanted to know how far they were willing to trust him. You see, when God calls you to be a light to the world, he already knows how he's going to shine the light. He just wants to know if you are willing to trust him enough to be a part of what he's going to do. We sometimes get the mistaken... We have this mistaken conception in our mind that somehow God's waiting on us to do the work. No, He's not. No, God's will is going to be done. God's plan is going to play out. You just get to decide whether you want to be a part of what God's doing. And if you don't trust Him, somebody else will. And you'll miss out on the blessing because you were either afraid or unwilling to trust the Lord. I want to finish with this thought. Sometimes a short-term decision will have a long-term outcome. Sometimes you can look back. You know, the will of God is one of those things like this that we can, we can sometimes look at the will of God and right now we don't know whether we should do that or not. But we can look back and say, you know what, now looking back, I, I, I know it was the will of God for us to buy this house or it was the will of God for me to take that job or the will of God for us to do this, that, or the other. But in the moment, you're just trusting God. You're just, you're just laying it out there and saying, God, I don't know how this is going to play out, but I do, I do sense that you are calling me out. You are calling me to do something. And I'm going to trust you. 
And sometimes those decisions where you put yourself out there and you trust God for something brings a long-term outcome. Let me show you one. We go back to the story of Joseph who was sold by his brothers to traitors who sold him to Potiphar. I can't prove it happened like this, so this is just my, my uh, conception of it. Potter's in the back of the room that night when they bring Joseph in with the other slave boys and they're auctioning them off. His wife has already told him they need another guy. Go down to the market, pick out another guy. We're going to need another guy for the house. And that Hebrew boy walks across that stage and Potter forbids on him and has no idea what he just did. Because the Bible says that when Joseph came into Potiphar's house, that the blessings of God came with him. And everything that Joseph touched, God blessed it. Everything that Potiphar had prospered. Every business decision was a good decision. All the return was good. You know why? Because of a simple short-term decision in which he had no idea what he was doing. He just, I'll take it. Here's Joseph in Potiphar's house, living as a slave, and just being faithful in a circumstance he didn't want, in an environment he couldn't control, in a place that he could not have predicted he would ever be in his lifetime. After all, he was the favored son of his father, the preferred son of his father. And here he is in a slave. You know what he did? He just was faithful where he was. He did his job. He did what he was supposed to do. And he trusted God for the rest. He put God to the test and said, I'm just going to do my job. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why I'm in this circumstance. I don't know why things have worked out the way that they are. But God, I trust you. And that decision for Joseph's life put him on a trajectory that would eventually save his whole family. But it gets better. Because Joseph was apparently a pretty good looking guy. He was a lot like Ron Balthus. He wasn't bad to look at. And Potiphar's wife became attracted to Joseph. And the Bible said that every day, every day she was trying to get him to give in, to commit a sexual sin with her. Every day. It's a boss's wife. It's a woman that wants me. A woman who's desiring me. And I'm so far away from home. I'm so far away from my family. Nobody's going to notice. Nobody's going to care. I can indulge myself. I can do this. I'll be fine. But Joseph resisted. He resisted her. Until she got tired of his resisting and she laid her hands on him. And he ran and left his coat. You say to me, would God have forgiven Joseph if he would have given in to Potiphar's wife's suggestion? Absolutely. God would have forgiven him 
if he had sincerely sought the forgiveness of God, God would have forgiven him. But he might never have been able to get back to the place where he was before that moment. Because sometimes the decisions that you make in your lifetime carry consequences. You thought it was just an innocent decision. Now you're in a circumstance that you never dreamed you would be in. Maybe you're having to raise somebody else's children. Maybe you're having to live in a, an environment that is hostile to faith. Maybe you are struggling against the pressures and financial realities that came as a result of the decision that you made. A short-term decision can sometimes bring about a long-term outcome. Joseph said, I'll put my trust in the Lord. But you know what happened? We would say, well, he stood up for the Lord and the Lord stood up for him. Well, yeah, he did, but he went to jail because Potiphar's wife lied and said that Joseph tried to rape her. And Potiphar sent him to jail. But there in the jail, the pattern, the plan of God continued because the Bible said even in jail, the Lord was with Joseph. He made the right decision and that decision propelled him forward to the calling that God had placed upon his life. Now we're going to pray in a moment, but I want to tell you what we're praying about this morning. There is a burden in my heart that some of you sitting here today need to walk up here to this time of prayer to one of our elders or one of our prayer leaders and you need to openly confess to God, I'm not going to run any longer from what you're calling me to do. You have a burden on your heart. God's been nudging you, but you've been afraid. You've been afraid to take that next step. You're afraid that if you step out there, you will fail. You're afraid that if you step out there, people will misunderstand. You're afraid that you're not going to be adequate enough. You're afraid you're not going to be as good as somebody else that you have in your mind. But can I just remind you that God has called you because He believes in you. He's nudging you because He's calling you because He believes in you. He's making you a light into a darkened world. And some of you just need to step out by faith and put your trust in the Lord. You say, can I do it from the seat back there? Yes. But it won't be the same. Because making that step out of that seat and coming this way is just another way to say, God, I'm all in. I'm all in. And I'm not afraid to be associated with what you're doing in my life. I'm not afraid to take that step and be the man, be the woman, be the young man, young woman that you've called me to be with my life. God wants you to be the light of the world. And He wants you to trust Him that the doors that He's opening the things that God is doing around you are not happening just by coincidence. But God is opening doors because this is your moment. 
This is your time to step forward and trust God for the future. And everybody won't understand it. And there will be people that will say, hey, I think that's crazy. But let them say what they will. They're not the ones who determine your future. So we sit here this morning. Come on, Pastor Jerome. We sit here this morning and we have no way of knowing what the future is going to be. We have no way of understanding and knowing completely what the future is going to hold. What we do know is that God has promised. That the Lord has promised that He will never leave us. That He will never forsake us. And that whatever God is calling you to do, whatever God is saying in your life right now, He has a plan to bring it to pass for the glory of His name. As a young freshman in college, on a Sunday night in May of 1975, my books were in front of me, a speaker was speaking. I was completely clueless about what was about to take place. I'm doing homework during chapel. But the Holy Spirit nudged me that night. Between the seats in that theater, in that old auditorium, I said to God that night, Wherever you want me to go and whatever you want me to do, I will do it to the best of my ability. I had no idea that night what I had signed up for. I had no idea the plans that God had for my life. I had no idea where God's calling, God's direction would take me. And neither do you. That's why it's faith. You know, some of us say to God, you know, I'll do it, but I got to have the plan. You got to lay it out in front of me. No, God says, no, you're going to have to trust me first and believe that I'm going to always take care of you. And he has. Decades have passed and I've traveled to places I never dreamed I would ever be. I stood on a stage at a soccer stadium in the center of Africa in 2006. Thousands of people preaching the gospel and I said to God that night, how in the world did I get here? And the only answer is I trusted God for the future. And the plans that God had were bigger than the circumstances of my present life. And the plans that God has for some of you, because I, I sincerely believe that this is a signal moment for somebody in this room today. Somebody watching me right now online. There's, a, there's an angst in your spirit because God is doing something in you right now. This is a signal moment for somebody. Because God is calling you out for a work that he has for you. You say, well, I don't think I'll ever be a preacher. Well, that's okay. Don't say everybody's going to be called to preach. I wish God would call me a Spanish translator. 
I wish God would call me somebody who loved children as much as I do. Because I need people that love children like this. I wish God would call musicians and singers. And some of you have that talent, but for whatever reason, nobody's been able to move you yet. I don't get it. God gave you a talent and an ability, and you're not using it. And God's calling you. days ago I was I was wrestling with this thought what if God what if God would be calling someone in our church to do mission work somebody stood up and said you know I, I don't know how to explain this to you but God's calling me to go where I don't know what God's doing. I've just tried to be obedient today and tell you what God told me to tell you. The next step is yours. Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church located in Perry, Ohio, about 30 minutes east of Cleveland. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.